Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations Around the Messy Intersection of Faith, Family, and Business. Uh, today, I want to walk you through literally some of what I've been putting into my journal. Uh, daily, I will sit down and I'll read scripture, and, and that's how I connect with God. I'm doing a lot more listening than I used to do. Used to be fill the praying like the Gentiles do, many words. Now, I've learned to listen a lot, whole lot more. Like Mary and Martha, Mary chose what is more valuable. She sat at his feet and listened to his voice. And that's what I'm learning to do. And then I write down, and as I literally write down a scripture that stands out or a journey that I'm on and processing thoughts, it becomes clearer and clearer. So I want to talk about fatal flaws and uh, how I've navigated this with myself. So I don't know about you, but I'm 47 years old. And when I was 25, I was amazing. I look back and, and I was praying every day. I was praying in my God language for 30 minutes every morning, fasting once a week, involved everywhere as a volunteer, all of these amazing things. I, I look back and yeah, you could probably paint me as a, a, a the, the poster Christian and what we're supposed to do. None of that was bad except I was not aware of how many flaws and dysfunctions that I had. Uh, relational things, uh, codependence, things that I didn't even know because just those things become more evident the older that you get. And more recently, and, and certainly through the last 12 months, pausing, being forced to stop and slow down and look around, walking through pandemic and political craziness and prophetic craziness, uh, all that we've walked through has been a real eye-opener for me of how much I've missed my family by traveling and doing what we agreed on together, but the cost to that and seeing that play out, uh, seeing different relationships where I've enabled dysfunction because of my own dysfunction. And seeing the pain that I've caused to my family when I've made decisions where I reduced the volume of their voice to justify my behavior. Nothing morally wrong, but relationally painful. And reflecting on that, it's become more and more aware of me and my own pain and realizing, oh, this is, this is not good. So just so you know, this is going to end really good. But uh, it's, been a, it's been a journey, especially as we kind of things look like they're changing as we're looking to engage in a, a different way and new ways going forward, reflecting on it and saying, God, what am I learning? What's going on? So here's what happened. One evening, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were playing games around the table and there were a couple of comments made about me and what I did in the game. And I kind of let it slide. felt like oh, it's almost like just a little dig about oh, dad, dad's just not engaged, or dad's not smart, was how I heard it. And then there was a little thing that I did and missing something with my daughter, and I happened to read a text on her phone, which she reacted to, but turns out she was just teasing me. She wasn't really worried about it. She was kind of being sarcastic. But all of that, in my head, I heard them all say, if you weren't smart, and felt this accusation. We sat, went to bed with my wife, and she said, what's going on with your heart? And I confessed, it feels like everybody's kind of pointing at my smartlessness, unsmart, and it just humiliates me. Now, I was pointing at them, as in, you guys are doing this, 
Well, my wife helped me see that's not what they said at all. And none of them think that. What's the point? It was a narrative in my own head because of a series of things where uh, I made some stupid mistake or something had happened and I started to formulate a narrative of myself. If I was more smart, relationally smart, emotionally smart, I wouldn't have done that. I must be unsmart, we say. That's the narrative I'd gone through my head to the point that when someone else said something, I just heard, if you were only smarter than this, then you wouldn't do these stupid things, Andy. What am I doing? I'm beating up myself. Now, at the same time, I'm reading through Matthew 5, Matthew 6. It talks through the Lord's Prayer. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Here's the key. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against ourselves. I was reading a book by R.T. Kendall on the Lord's Prayer, and he unpacks that phrase. It's all around forgiveness. It's literally a statement of, I will forgive others to the standard by which Jesus forgave me. That is the standard. And for me, there's two components. One, that's others. That's literally walking in pre-forgiveness. But secondly, it's actually forgiving myself. What was my problem? My problem is I'm carrying a narrative through my life because of a series of things where because of my own ignorance, because of being unaware, because of my own dysfunction, humanity. I created a narrative in my head that I was unsmart and I held myself to that, which only makes it worse. What did I need to do? I need to start by forgiving myself because unforgiveness ties you to the narrative. It ties you to a false narrative of who you are. Forgiveness releases you from that. So I had to go through this little process, but literally this is the 28th of March. I'm looking in my journal. I start to write this out. Uh, forgive, forgive me my fatal flaws, relational flaws and dysfunction from the iniquity as I forgive those who have been imperfect towards me. I forgive, and I started to write down a list of things, and I forgive myself for not measuring up, for having flaws, for being ignorant, for being blinded by accomplishment, for putting a mission or a person ahead of family, for missing the conversation, for not being a perfect dad, for being afraid, for not having the answers to say, for not standing up in defense of family, for being a coward and faithless, for getting offended, for not being as good as I should be as a husband, as a father, as a provider, as a lady. Then I wrote this down. Andy, I forgive you according to the standard by which Jesus forgave me. Absolutely. Let me say that again. Andy, you put your name in here. I forgive you according to the standard by which Jesus forgave me. Absolutely. Father, forgive Andy because he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Compared to, I can't forgive myself for not knowing. How could you not know what you're doing to yourself, your family, your friends? Father, forgive me because I didn't know what I was doing. 
I was so foolish and ignorant, which leads me to Psalm 73. I was like a brute ox, a dumb ox, in your very presence. Nevertheless, I am continually with you, in spite of all my sin, iniquity, missing the mark. He does not exclude me. He continues to hold me by my right hand. He continues to give me power and authority and might. And he guides me. As I keep walking, he keeps leading. So I forgive myself as Christ has pre-forgiven, has forgiven me. And I lean into having my mind renewed so that my words, ways match his and I make him proud. So I got through that and I'm processing this forgiveness and what it even means. And I heard God say, Andy, well done, good and faithful. That means fertile soil, fruitful, F fruitful tree, good ground, a soul inclined to goodness. And I unpacked that and you can pack that yourself. But what has got me realizing is I am so much more imperfect than I thought I was. I have so much more dysfunction, even on my best day. I don't measure up to the standard that I desire for myself. And I beat myself up for it. Then I go through forgiveness. But it got me to the point of, God, hang on a moment. God, how do you, how do you even do this? You created me with a fatal flaw, this dysfunction. Like knowing what you know about us, knowing that we would mess up like we do. Why did you even create us? You deserve, you, you deserve like a sacrifice without a blemish. That's because you're perfect. You're complete. So why? Like, I, I can't even bring you on my best day. I can't bring you the offering that you deserve because you deserve better than I can ever give. So why didn't you like fix the floor and create us with the, just remove the stupid button so that we actually don't do the mistakes that Adam and Eve did? and messed up so much for humanity, the pain, the brokenness. Why did you even do this knowing ahead of time that this was what was going to happen? It was going to cost you everything. The pain, the brutality, the treason, the betrayal, the rejection that, God, you walk through. Why didn't you go back up and actually fix the problem before you started? Because you knew ahead of time this is what's going to happen. And I was processing this. And then... It's like I was wrestling with this for, you know, a few days. And I wrote this in my journal. God, he, you knew we would fail. You knew it would cost you everything. You knew this already. So why did you do it? And I sat there and pondered and paused. And then I heard this question. Andy, did you decide to have children? My answer is, yeah, sure did. Sure did. Did you know they would cost you? And it would be messy. It would literally cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm thinking, yeah, I did know. I didn't really, I wasn't fully in touch with how much it would cost or the mess or the pain or the anxiety or the heartache that just having a good kids, that, that good kids is still going to cause heartache. I had no idea of that. Well, did you still choose to have kids? Absolutely. Would you do it again? Oh, without hesitation. I'd do it so much better now because I'm way way less jacked up with my own stuff, but absolutely do it again. Well, Andy, why did you decide to have children, knowing that they're going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars, heartache, pain, grief, mess? Why did you choose to have children? I pondered and I thought, here's what I wrote down. Number one, 
I was born to create and reproduce. It's part of my nature. Number two, legacy. To better see someone carry on my name and my memory. To see my kids do that, go further, faster, stronger, and longer. I mean, that's, that's a reason to have kids. To, that's a great one. Number three, to benefit the world, to multiply me, to add value to the world. I can, I can create these four children that they get the best of me and the best of my wife. We create an environment for them to flourish and grow. Oh, wow. And I know what I can do, but multiply that times four with four children. This is fantastic. Benefit the world. Number four is the joy, to experience the joy of life moments. Uh, reflecting when my son got inside the rabbit cage with the rabbits. Like hilarious moments that I can remember that bring a smile to me as I reflect on that. To see a photo of him sitting on my knee looking in my face. To have my daughter as I'm driving her to school when she's in elementary school. And I say, what do you want to do when you grow up? And, and we go through round and round and round. And finally she says, I say, well, what do you want to be then? And she says, I just want to be with you, daddy. Those moments of joy just are priceless. You, there's no money in the world that could take away that price. The, to experience the joy of life moments, the joy of relationship desire, the joy of firsts, and the comfort of closeness when a kid snuggles up to you on the couch. When your 16-year-old son holds his mother's hand as they walk through Disneyland. Like, that's priceless. Number five, as a friend, why would you have kids? Because you get a friend to grow up someone in my image and likeness who would go beyond my weakness, but become a companion and a friend. That when my kids are of the age where they get to choose, they leave home, but they come back because they want to, because they enjoy spending time with their parents. If I can create that in my children, to have my children choose to spend time with me, that's, that's worth it. Number six, the pride of, I produce this. I've, one of my daughters has just been accepted for a particular college that she's dreamed of. And I've been running around saying, I'm going to college. I'm going to that college. Why? It's the pride of knowing that it's my daughter who's doing that. It's my son who's got on the wrestling team. It's my daughter who's in the the mock trial team as a freshman in a university. It's my daughter that wrote that poetry book as a 19-year-old. It's my daughter who's 14 who dances, dances out in front of the garage to music at night, who is writing a book. And those are my kids. There's a pride in that. And I paused. I sat back. Why have children? Because it's worth it. The pain, the cost, it is worth it. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. That's fair enough. But I still have a problem. I'm still like, okay, God, I, you convinced me. You know, you created a planet. You created all of this for us. And you wanted those things. You were born to create your legacy to benefit the world. The joy, you got to experience the joy of me with you, which is actually John, if you read John 14, 15, 16, that you may experience the joy, joy 
there's something as there's an aspect of that that you bring joy to the Father when you live who you're born to be, when you turn and pause and turn to Him and reflect and worship and engage with Him, that brings Him joy. For the joy set before Him, He endured the pain, the cross. Like, oh, okay, you're messing me up now. You're completely messing me up. The, the friend, he, wants a, he doesn't want servants. He wants friends to be with you, not just to accomplish stuff, but to be with you in the pride for him to say, these are my kids. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Hey, you guys, listen to him. I was processing this, but then I'm still struggling because I'm like, yeah, but we've still got this fatal. Why don't you just fix the fatal flaw? Like, why do you create us with this fatal flaw? And then I sense the Lord leading me back to Genesis 1 and I start to read Genesis 1 again. And I read, in the beginning, God created, and God said, and God saw, and God made, and God called, and God divided, and God set, and God blessed. And I read it, and he says he created the light, and he saw that it was good. God created the land and the seas, and saw that it was good. And the grass, and the herbs, and the trees, and God saw that it was good. And the sun, and the moon, and the stars, and God saw that it was good. The sea creatures and the birds and God saw that it was good and he blessed them to multiply. The earth creatures and God saw that it was good and he created man and woman. He blessed them to multiply and have dominion over the fish, the birds, all living things, all earth creatures. No, not over man and woman, but over the other creatures. And he saw everything he had made and indeed it was very good. What's the point? It's not a fatal flaw. It's not a fatal flaw. Yes, it's freedom to choose. And we chose. We've made some really stupid decisions, but it's not a fatal flaw. It's a freedom of choice. And without that freedom of choice, then there would be no friendship, no legacy, no intentional leaning and turning towards him so that we would be his friend, so that we would be the person that walks with him, displaying his nature, his character, give him the joy of all creation fully alive. There is something about who you are. When God made you, when he formed you, he looked at you and he said, it is very good. And he designed it and, and just saying of you that you were worth it in spite of the dysfunction and pain and difficulty and heartache. He looked and looked at you and he said, it is worth it because I know he's going to be listening. She's going to be listening to this today and have this revelation of the goodness of God and his grace. I don't think we would ever be able to comprehend how good he is toward us with our dysfunction, with the brokenness, with the using our freedom of choice to do destruction on the people around us. Even on our good days, we can mess up. But his kindness and his grace and his goodness, it's like he wants this because he wants friends. He chooses like the founding creative entrepreneur of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, yet he chooses to humble himself and engage with us, that's mind-blowing. It's just mind-blowing. And if I just focus on my dysfunction and my difficulty and my brokenness, 
and my fatal flaws, as I called it, then that's navel gazing. And that's going to really not end in anything fruitful. But if I will just do this, and if I will just walk with him and keep my eyes on him, then it's going to work out good. It's going to work out great. It's actually going to work out better than I could ask or think or imagine because it's the design. It's what he's called me to. And the closer that I get to him, the more I experience all he has. What's the problem? All this thinking focuses on me and keeps me away from him. What's the truth? He knows. He knew. Even in the beginning, he knew we would mess up the perfect garden, but he made a way so that my blemish and infection or imperfection would be covered. So what do I do? I humble myself and acknowledge I'm a sinner saved alone, only by his grace. Number two, I acknowledge Christ's blood who made the way for me to get all access. I have a full access pass. I can go as close as I want as long as I wear the all access pass, which is the name of Jesus. It's the garment of righteousness that he gives me that I get full access I got adopted. You got adopted. You're in. And suddenly it becomes, Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I look at the sun, the stars, the moon, all that you've created. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you take care of him. You made him a little lower of the angels, but you crown him with glory and splendor and strength. Oh, the joy, oh, the gift, oh, the grace. If you're listening to this and you don't know him, you don't know him in this way, he was willing, in spite of your mess, to actually pay the full price, knowing ahead of time what it would take to cost, what it would cost him to bring you into full union, full access, full adoption with all the benefits into relationship with his son. And simply this, Acknowledge that you cannot do this. There is no effort, activity, work that will get you close. It's purely by His grace. Hey, if you want to know more, you can you can contact us, Andy at authentic-solutions.com. But I just pray for you a fresh revelation of the goodness, the kindness, and the love of God that's lavished on you. That the very things that you think disconnect and disqualify you is what he knew ahead of time that he's taken care of. All you need to do is acknowledge that, recognize that you cannot do this on your own. That's called sin. That's called separation. That's called brokenness. But he made a way. So I bless you to discover that, to find that, to experience everything that he is. And I just pray fresh revelation of the love of Jesus just to flood you wherever you are right now listening. His grace is sufficient for you. Only grace, grace alone. Only scripture, scripture alone. Only to the glory of God. It's just how good he is.